0: AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm Horrified
1: is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. What? Hello, everyone. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 27 of I'm Horrified. I'm your host, Allie Rayner. And I'm also your host, Sam Buttich. Heck yeah. And we're here together today in the The way same we room. always are. <laughs> Sam, we have some really exciting news. You guys,
0: again, something for our spinoff podcast, I'm thrilled, because I'm thrilled about what Allie's about to tell
1: you. And that is that we are going to PodCon! Yay! Yay! January 19th to 20th, we will be in Seattle. We will be at PodCon with all your other favorite pods. Yes. We will be tabling on the expo floor. So you can come meet us, you can come hang out. We do think that our
0: friend of the pod and friend of also us in real life, Becky Thurgood might design a sticker for us or something that we might sell you. Well she's
1: coming. And she's gonna be there. More just as a customer. Yeah. More just as a friend of us. So we'll definitely have things to sell, to hand out. We hope to see some of you there. Please tweet at us if you're coming. Yeah, please love that. We would love to meet up with you we'll have some, like, fun activities. Yes. We'll get um, some of that famous Seattle coffee, I guess. Oh, and yeah. And just drink it with you. What do they call it? Starbucks? <laughs> That's not a funny joke. I um, oh, well. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited, and we just, we hope we get to maybe meet some of you and... and... We're hoping to maybe trap some new folks into liking the show. Hell yeah! To come enjoy it with us, learn some audio tips yeah. and tricks. We're gonna be we we're gonna be wearing low cut blouses mm. to get people over to our table. Absolutely. To just be like, hey, honey, yeah. Do you like things that are disturbing and upsetting? <laughs> do you like existential onks? Yeah. Do you like these titties? Do you like sexual things, but like they're Horrible. Yeah, and they make you feel like you you're gonna throw up a little bit. But then like I'm saying that, but like Sam's like slowly like licking a lollipop. Yeah, my butt is just out. Yeah, she's naked. Yeah, so that's the state we're gonna be in at Picon. <laughs> Come see us. Allie is a businesswoman pitching our um, brand, and my, I have my ass out. So I'm wearing go. a suit. So, yeah, that's all we're going to say about that. Um, but we'll we'll keep mentioning it throughout. We're so excited. We're so excited. We're, yes. so we're going to talk about it all the time. Constantly about all it. All the time, yeah. Every day I'll tweet about it. So, anyways, let's get down to brass tacks here. Let's get Dish. back
0: to the content that you are here for to be just upset and angry during your day.
1: Yeah, this has been too pleasant. No, yeah.
0: Um, I'm sick of
1: it. So, I'm going to be talking about the Radium Girls. <gasps>
0: Bad. And I'm going to be talking about purity
1: rings. Oof. Also bad. I'm excited. Two bad things that have happened to women. Two bad, yes. (laughs) Um, So let's hit the ground running. As always, we're going to have to start at the beginning and learn what radium is and where it comes from. Some science for you. So radium is a highly radioactive chemical element. That was discovered in 1898 by who, Sam? Marie Curie. That's correct. I love her. Um, and her husband, Pierre, who is less important to me.
0: I don't care about him.
1: Um, they were picking through some uraninite, I think it's pronounced, mm-hmm. and they were like, hey, what's all that tiny radioactive shit? It's radium, I bet. I I got like a C- minus in chemistry, so like that's all of the radium content you're gonna get. The only other thing that is important to know is that as radium decays which takes like thousands of years, like its half-life is like 1,600 years or something. Mm -hmm. As it decays, something called ionizing radiation occurs, which causes radioluminescence. Ooh. Or in other words, it's infamous radioactive glow. Oh, spooky. So I think I talked about bioluminescence in our first episode. Yeah, We were talking about the creepy crawlies at the bottom of the ocean. So now, like, look how far we've come. (gasps) Guys. Talk about radioluminescence. So they discover this element, and it's a huge deal. And Marie Curie receives her first Nobel Prize and is the first woman to do so, so that's cool. And then she, probably she dies from it. I'm not even sure. She definitely does. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so then radium starts to get trendy. Ooh, hot. It starts to get trendy as fuck. <laughs> it was this exciting new chemical element that was falsely marketed for its healing and rejuvenating health qualities. This is something that I just did not know. But, like, after its discovery, people started putting radium in fucking everything. Oh, God. Like, they put it in cosmetics. They put it in lotion. They put it in toothpaste. No. They, they had pots lined with it so that, like, whatever you put in the pots to cook in or put water in would be infused with radium. Bad. Pools and spas would advertise radium in their facilities. Newspapers reported that it would add, like, years to your life. You know, yet another unfortunate incident of fake news. <laughs>
0: yet again, the Obviously, news media lets
1: us down. The liberal media letting <laughs> us down. Yeah. And it was used as actual medicine, especially to treat cancer, mm-hmm. um, though it shouldn't be confused with radiology, which is different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was even something called Radithor that was just distilled radium water that people would just, like, drink mm. for absolutely no reason. And famously, a man named Eben Byers, who was like this Yale socialite, golf guy, I don't care about who he was, but um, he (laughs) sounded so, like, boring. Um, But he started, like, kind of famously using radium and drinking it every day and being like, oh, like, you know, like, it's like Popeye, you know, like, I'm now this, like, big sexy athlete. And that worked super well until his jaw fell off.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) As many things
1: have. um, God. So let's pause pause on that for a minute. (laughs) Um, So ignore that. Radium, it's hip, it's hot, it's happening. It could never hurt us. It's a sensation. Um, Actually, I have to talk about this quickly. I could not stop thinking about this correlation that popped into my mind It like, would not let go, which is... Do you remember... You were talking about getting a salt lamp recently. I was. And do you remember when, like, pink Himalayan salt became a thing? Yes. In the zeitgeist? And it's like, not only would you put it in your food, but you could have, like, bowls made of it. Yeah. And, like, you could go into caves made Mm -hmm. of it. And I went to a spa for a massage, and the sauna had a wall of pink Himalayan salt. Yeah. And I was like, why is this here? And at the same time, like, I'm basic as fuck, so, like, (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't... And, like, the whole... Like, there was a whole write-up about it's, like, healing properties. And I was like, it is just, like, a wall of salt, though, right? (laughs) Like, I'm not missing anything. And, like, (laughs) this isn't the same as radium, necessarily. I guess time will tell. But, like... It just reminded me of it so much. Like, back then, radium is just, like, this sexy herbal juice cleanse mm-hmm. that white women chat about during brunch. Like, Absolutely. that's what radium is, but like, in the 1900s. That sounds correct. So let's talk about the girls. I've already explained radium is awesome and it's fashionably poisoning the world. It's hot. At the same time, during World War One, and I think maybe even before that, soldiers made wristwatches popular for men, which had previously only been worn by women because they were easier to use in combat than a pocket watch. And I wonder how long it took them to figure that out. Um, So while that was catching on, so was something else. With the discovery of radium came the invention of radium paint, which was like a shiny white paint made from radium and zinc sulfide. And the paint capitalized on what I mentioned before, which is like the radioluminescence, or in this case, when it's made into a paint, the fluorescence of the element. And it actually glowed in the dark.
0: So that's go. kind of
1: the first glow in the dark thing, mm-hmm. I think. I don't, and I didn't research the history of glow in the dark things. <laughs> but so it was this, it was this crazy new technology, and the military thought, you know, we've already tackled that whole pocket watches obstacle. Mm-hmm. So now, why don't we use this paint on our wristwatches, and people will be able to actually see the time in the dark. In the dark, that um, would be lit if you're a soldier. Yeah, or just a which person. would be great for combat. Um, I love it. Let's get some radium up in here. Hell yeah. So in enters the United States Radium Corporation, who says, that sounds awesome, let us make these watches for you. They create this radium paint and call it undark because it glows in the dark. Makes sense. Yeah, hard to believe these men end up being total fucking idiots with name, <laughs> a name like that. They set off to work setting up factories in New Jersey, specifically Newark, Jersey City, and I think most famously Orange, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, They employ young women, um, sometimes even teenagers, because their dainty little fingers are perfect for the detailed calligraphy work on the watch faces. Oh, they've got those delicate hands. So the women and girls who found work at these factories, about 70 of them in total, were elated to be working there. The pay was triple what the average factory job would pay them. Oh, wow. Um, And because the -the glow-in-the-dark watches were so trendy and cool, it was like... You know, it's like working at the hot new store. Yeah. Like, it's... It was, like, a glamorous occupation. Like, they were listed as artists in their town directories. Ooh. You know, these were working class women, and so they had this kind of elevation in their status by getting this awesome new job. And there were accounts of girls actually glowing after their shifts because of their contact with the radium, and, like, they fucking loved that. <laughs> like, they would put on their, like, prettiest dresses and, like, go out on the town after working. And there were even accounts of them, like, painting their nails with it. Oh, man. And painting their teeth with it. No. To, like, whiten their teeth. Because it was, like, wicked expensive, mm-hmm. also. Um, so, I think, I read somewhere that it was the most expensive substance in the world at the time. Wow. But I don't know if that's true. But doesn't that sound fun? That feels true to me. I don't care about accuracy. No. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that's fine. It's like a, that word Stephen Colbert invented truthiness, which is yeah. when something feels like the truth. Absolutely, yes. So what's the problem? All of these girls have kick-ass jobs, and they're roping in dick at the local sock ops because of their electric teeth. Yeah, it sounds like everything's coming up, Radium Girls. Yeah, I just, like, show me the bad news. Well, do you remember earlier how I talked about that guy's jaw falling off? (gasps) Ooh, I do. Ooh, you do. So, here's the snag. The girls were instructed to, while painting the wash dials, use their mouths to get a sharp point on the end of their brushes rather than pointing them on rags or paper because it would waste time. Mm. And time is obviously money. I've heard that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, obviously they would come directly in contact with and ingest the radium paint. Some girls asked about the safety of the paint as there was information coming out of the time, slowly trickling in to suggest it could be harmful, but their managers assured them it was completely safe and moreover that it was beneficial to their health and would quote put roses in their cheeks. Okay, Sam, are you ready to be horrified? I know that when I signed on for this podcast... <laughs> you
0: said yes. It was to be horrified yeah. every week by the stuff you told me. I know that intellectually.
1: This is going to be bad.
0: I'm upset because I I just barely know what is about to happen and already I'm upset and I know you're going to have more
1: detail than I even knew. And I'm ready. (laughs) So you know what? I'm not even going to tell it. I'm going to let Kate Moore from BuzzFeed tell you a tale from her article, The Forgotten Story of the Radium Girls. Okay. So this story discusses the first death. In 1922, Molly Maggia had to quit the studio because she was sick. She didn't know what was wrong with her. Her trouble had started with an aching tooth. Her dentist pulled it out, but then the next tooth started hurting and also had to be extracted. In place of the missing teeth, agonizing ulcers sprouted as dark flowers, blooming red and yellow with blood and pus. Ugh. They seeped constantly and made her breath foul. Then she suffered aching pains in her limbs, and they were so agonizing they eventually left her unable to walk. Baby. The doctor thought it was rheumatism. He sent her home with aspirin. Okay. Um, by May 1922, Molly was desperate. At that point, she had lost most of her teeth and the mysterious infection had spread. Her entire lower jaw, the roof of her mouth, and even some of the bones of her ears were said to be one large abscess. (gasps) But worse was to come. When her dentist prodded delicately at her jawbone in her mouth, to his horror and shock, it broke against his fingers. (gasps) He removed it, quote, not by an operation, but merely by putting his fingers in her mouth and lifting it out. What? Only days later, her entire lower jaw was removed in the same way. (gasps) Oh my god. Her eyes are so wide.
0: I'm horrified.
1: <laughs> oh, it's Molly. so bad. It's you... so bad.
0: Oh, God. Um, and they didn't fucking know what it was. Yeah.
1: They were just, like, mysterious. Yeah. They moved on. Kill me. Yeah, you seem upset. I, this does have a happy ending. Um, does it? Yeah. The infection ultimately spread to her jugular vein and her mouth spontaneously filled with blood and drowned her. Oh, wait. I'm so, so sorry. Like, that, that was a bad, that's a bad end. Honestly, Ellie. <laughs> You're mad at me right now. <laughs> For like one second I was like, she grew a new jaw. <laughs> like, what could the ending be? No, I just thought I wanted she to. She found with a nice man
0: who loved her even when she didn't no have a No matter jaw. what? No, she choked out her own blood. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um Fuck oh
0: God <laughs> it's so bad.
1: And she's the first one, which tells me oh, yeah. more to come. Yeah. So one by one these insane violent diseases and infections just started like rippling through these women they suffered from anemia bone fractures increasingly alarming aching pains and fatigue all the way to rapidly spreading tumors and abscesses all over their bodies cancer and something called necrosis of the jaw which you might have heard of is also known as radium jaw oh. so that's what i was describing and that starts as like a painful swelling and it can swell like to double the size of your face <gasps> or larger oh my god there are some pictures online um, one in particular that I've seen before that's pretty famous of just like, it's just swollen, like up to the size of your, like, chest. Oh, God. It's crazy. The radium also basically ate away at your bones, boring holes into skulls, and as one doctor put it, honeycombing their bones <gasps> while they were still alive. Oh, my God. That was so descriptive when I read that. I was like, cool. Yeah, I don't like that's that. That's the all. truth. Yep. Um,. I think we're out of the woods here with my medical descriptions. Oh, Jesus. Um, so naturally there is some serious fucking panic on behalf of the workers and some serious pressure on their employers to avoid taking responsibility. It took two years for this particular company to launch an investigation with a private firm, and this was done more so to protect their own necks than to actually find out what the cause of the injuries was. Oh my god. See, while these girls had been shaping their paintbrushes with their lips, the men who worked overseeing the factory hid behind lead screens Mm -hmm. and protective barriers, And used masks while interacting with the factory workers. Which I, as a factory worker, would be like, something's up. (laughs) Yeah, really? Isn't that Um, interesting that you said I can lick this, but you don't even want to, like, speak to me? Yeah, exactly. And during the investigation, this is the most fucked up part about all of this. I mean, there's a lot. (laughs) I just talked about a girl's jaw falling off, but this is more fucked up, I promise. During the investigation, they paid off doctors in the area who were treating these girls to falsely diagnose them with syphilis. (gasps) Yeah, so it's just straight... That's awful. So syphilis, for those of you who don't know, is a sexually transmitted disease that was a commonplace cause of illness and death at the time, which also caused, you know, like open sores Mm -hmm. and it kind of manifested itself in a truly grody way Mm -hmm. as well. (laughs) And that was a narrative that they carried through this trial. And so the social element of it was they were trying to push this narrative of, oh, these like... Core girls are all getting riddled with syphilis and they're trying to get money out of us now like that's what they are like of that's what's happening course that's the angle yeah for fuck off fuck ah. off um they're best friends with like the triangle shirtwaist factory fire <laughs> yeah. managers like they all just hang oh my god So thankfully, one professional brought into the investigation, Cecil Drinker, which, what a name, Yeah, um, refused to be paid off and published a report on the dire and horrific circumstances surrounding the factory and the rampant radium poisonings. So at this point, you know, workers, some of the workers, a lot of them have died, and some of them are starting to realize, like, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, In particular, Grace Fryer, whose doctor found tiny holes all over her jaw, so um, necrosis of her jaw was already setting in she decides to sue along with other women in the factory it takes her two years to find a lawyer who will represent her which is a bummer (laughs) and which is also a bummer because like her life is a little bit of a ticking clock right now Uh and by the time it goes to trial for that reason many of the women who initially started this work with her are bedridden and like can't even raise their arms to take an oath in the courtroom the legislation dragged on for months when some of the women suing were given about that same time to live and they eventually settled out of court with the US Radium Corporation because they they basically like couldn't keep the fight up fiscally. Yeah. And they were running out of time. However, what they really wanted to do, and this was this was on purpose. They they have this plan in their minds. This wasn't just like a byproduct. Mm-hmm. What they wanted to do was rage a huge fucking din about what was happening to them and it worked. Good. So the media got wind of this trial, and there was huge covering of what was going on, and then there was giant backlash from employees of any factories that worked with radium. One woman, Catherine Wolf, worked with her lawyer while bedridden with a grapefruit-sized tumor in her abdomen yeah. to give evidence against her employers. There's pictures of her, like, lying on a couch, like, pouring over documents. And basically, these women were dying but wanted to drag their asshole, bourgeois companies and supervisors down with them. Good. Which is fucking badass. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, so their case was one of the first in America to charge employers with the health of their employees, and the lasting impacts of their fight against the men who tried to sweep them under the rug can still be seen today in modern workers' rights. These women were faced with watching their friends and then themselves literally fall apart in front of their very eyes in the most brutal- horrific scary way imaginable and they still managed to band together organize and stick it to the fucking man hell yeah for themselves and for each other and that is the story of the radium girls those babies oh my god but also like those fucking badass warriors yeah like warrior queen babies they were literally like watching themselves disintegrate yeah and went to court you know what i mean God, imagine watching Amazing. like your co-workers jaw fall off and
0: then your doctor's like oh you have a lot of holes in your bones like your jaw might fall off and just being like cool gotta uh-huh. keep on living and try to bring <laughs> down this radium corporation yeah. great like i would just go to bed
1: and not leave the bed again exactly me too but, I mean, one of the things that I read, I think it was on that BuzzFeed article, which was really great, was that sometimes the way that women would realize that they had radium poisoning was they would catch themselves in the mirror when it was dark. So, like, when it was dark at night, like, mm-hmm. before they would go to bed, and you see yourself glowing like a ghost. Oh, my God. You know, like, can you imagine that? Like, you start to see yourself falling apart, and you know what's going to happen, Ugh. and you know how bad it's going to be. And they were still able to like. Fight I can't while even they could. like get us all to go to brunch on the same day. No. Jesus. Fucking fucking hell. I love it. I love oh it. My like god. I'm horrified. As, but Yeah. I love it. Like as crazy horrified as I am by it, I'm more like, wow. Yeah. Awesome. I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> With you and your courage. Oh god. Al, you just bummed me out so much. I'm sorry. It's but okay. I'm not.
0: But It's okay. This thing I'm going to talk about is actually not as big a bummer and does kind of also have a cautiously optimistic ending, which yours, I feel, also had. Yeah, I'm game.
1: I'm so interested in this, so, like, (laughs) lay it on me. All right. Lay all your love on me?
0: No, don't. That's the moral of this story. So, anyways, let's talk about purity rings. Let's do. Woo! Purity rings, also known as promise rings, abstinence rings, or chastity rings, are worn as a sign of chastity, and the practice originated in the United States in the 1990s. Really? Yeah, among Christian-affiliated sexual abstinence groups. I thought it was like, I don't know, an ancient symbol of some sort?
1: I guess. That's
0: kind of what I assumed as well, but it's not. It was invented in America in the 90s. And it became really popular in the early 2000s when you and I were tweens. Heck yeah. Which is why I have so many memories of purity rings being a thing in the culture. was mm-hmm. because that was, like, a formative time for both of us. Yep. So a purity ring is, like, literally a ring. It's like a silver ring that you wear on your ring finger and it tells people that you're not going to bone. It says that, right? It says that. It <laughs> That's says... The engraving? Yeah. It, well, it, it's a Bible passage that says, like, and God said, don't bone. But like I said... They were invented in America in the 90s, they really rose in the early 2000s, and there are two factors that caused the rise of the purity rings. One, George W. Bush. No. And two, the Disney Channel. I buy the second one. (laughs) I know it's bold to start a segment talking about these two factors,
1: but it's absolutely true. That's the only conversation I want to have. (laughs) (laughs) Things that combine GWB... And (laughs) I'm really enamored with the Bush twins, honestly, like their Uh, weird legacy in the White House. Jenna and and Barbara. Jenna and Barbara. And like them going to college Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I don't know. They're just weird. And then there was that SNL sketch with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. And they have their dumb, their dumb, dumb twin language. Yeah, their dumb twin language. I love it.
0: (laughs) To talk about purity rings, we're going to talk about sex ed in high schools. Hot. Ooh, are I'm, you turned on? I'm turned on already. <laughs> Hell yeah. So in the 90s, there was this sudden push for better sex education in high schools because the AIDS crisis of the 80s had naturally scared the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And therefore, the government was kind of finally willing to fund sex education in public schools.
1: hmm
0: Whereas before, they had always been like, we're good. We'll just stay right out of that. It took you fucking long enough. Amen. But there is a problem. Allie, I don't know if you know this, but sex is very bad and impure and dirty, and it's not something we want to teach our kids about. Did you
1: know that, Allie?
0: I must have missed that. That
1: sex is bad? Yeah. But... About three years too late.
0: <laughs> but we also don't want them to be
1: infected by HIV-AIDS. So what do we do, Allie? The thing that's going to protect them from HIV-AIDS Wrong. is what I would say. We teach them abstinence. No.
0: Abstinence-based sex ed first becomes a big thing in 1998 when President Clinton, a very pure man who hated dirty, icky sex. That's a joke. (laughs) This whole first bit is a joke. (laughs) You haven't said one true thing yet. (laughs) He signed this bill into law and it had a provision that um, set aside $50 million per year to go towards abstinence-funded education and to prevent teen pregnancy and illegitimacy. So Clinton is the first person to fund this specific type of sex ed that really focuses on just don't even go there.
1: I'm not looking like, (laughs) that's not a verb. We're not like grossed out by abstinence. Like be abstinent if you want, but. I'm going to talk about
0: this later, but abstinence only sex education is not an effective teaching model. That
1: is like a segment unto itself. Yeah. But we're going to get there. We will get there. But for now, here comes good
0: old Georgie boy. No. He becomes the President of the United States in 2000 when you and I are like five or six years old. I remember. And George is a good Christian boy and he also cares about the children. Mm -hmm. So he puts a lot of government money towards bringing abstinence-only education to schools. Gross. Specifically, he creates this federal funding stream called Community-Based Abstinence Education, or CBAE, or CBAE
1: which no one would have called it, but I'm probably gonna call it for the rest of this segment. (laughs) That's what I would call it if I was a teen, Mm -hmm. angry at a (laughs) middle-aged woman for yelling at me about keeping my vagina closed. Yeah, exactly. But so CBAY is this,
0: like, federal grant that you can apply for. Um, And there's a ton of money behind it, but it has really super strict rules if you want the money. So the rules are grantees must target adolescents 12 through 18... Grantees cannot provide young people with positive information about contraception or safer sex practices, even in other settings with non cbay funds. So they're never allowed to be like, if you are going to bone, wear a condom. Not allowed. And grantees must teach all components of the eight-point definition of abstinence-only education. A. Abstinence-only education has the exclusive purpose of teaching the social, psychological, and health gains to be realized by abstaining from all sexual activity.
1: Ugh. B.
0: Abstinence-only education teaches abstinence from sexual activity outside marriage as the expected standard for all school-age children. But so that is gross to me because, like, not everybody needs to get married. No, of course not. But to I them, say
1: nothing of, I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. Keep going.
0: Abstinence only education teaches that abstinence from sexual activity is the only certain way to avoid out-of-wedlock pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, and other associated health problems, which,
1: while technically true, is a weird, fear way to teach. Yeah, that's, like, the opposite of truthiness, which is, like, falsiness. Yeah. Like, that's a technically true fact that's going to cause bad ramifications because it's, like, a, you know, yeah, in a perfect world, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
0: But sometimes that's not the world we live in. Yeah. Um, abstinence-only education also teaches that a mutually faithful monogamous relationship in the context of marriage is the expected standard for human sexual activity. That's incorrect. Yeah, so, like, super gendered, super binary, yep. super not accepting of, like, polyamory or any of that other open, in you know, relationships, <laughs> any of it. Very limiting. Uh, Abstinence-only education teaches that sexual activity outside the context of marriage is likely to have harmful psychological and physical effects. And it teaches that bearing children out of wedlock is likely to have harmful consequences for the child, the child's parents, and society.
1: Fuck off. Uh,
0: And finally, it uh, teaches people to reject sexual advances and the importance of attaining self-sufficiency before gaining an engaging in sexual activity, which I would be behind if self-sufficiency meant masturbation,
1: but that is not what they mean. That's what I mean. I know. <laughs> in a way, I agree, but. Yeah. I can't even count the number of times I've encouraged listeners of this podcast to masturbate. <laughs> it's getting in the dozens. I know, <laughs>
0: but we're begging you, you guys. Yes.
1: we're begging you. <laughs> uh, if you do one thing for us,
0: um. Just to rub one out <laughs>
1: Um yeah, and it's like, imagine if that last one, like, was in its way. Like in I, I see a world in which that's like discussing consent of like you because there's so many conversations you could have with teens about sex. It's like, how do you know when you're ready for sex? I don't know, like when you feel in control over your own sexuality, which might take a long time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like um, and that's a decision that you get, get it to make. And, like, giving, giving helpful clues of, like, this is how you might know that you're comfortable with somebody. This is how you know that somebody's respecting your boundaries. Like, yes. all of that. But they're not talking about that. They're talking they're about, not. like, oh, you're keeping your, you know, virginal flower. Yeah. Only your husband, you know, pure or whatever. Can stick it in.
0: Poetry. <laughs> that's Tell me what... more things about purity rings. So... Um, so organizations like Seabay are funding these people. They're funding more and more every year because the year they're founded in 2001, they're given $20 million by the Bush administration. And by 2007, they are given $113 million to give to organizations that are teaching abstinence-only education. So that's a crazy increase and a huge amount of money. That's wild. And if you could get that money, why wouldn't you kind of compromise your morals as far as like i'd love to teach about condoms and the pill but if i don't i can get just millions of dollars yeah honestly who wouldn't do it um one of georgie porgy's favorite programs is the silver ring thing (sighs) maybe dear listeners they did a presentation in your school in the early 2000s and if they did please tweet me please tell us i am begging you (laughs) i
1: frankly i wish they had done a presentation at my school yeah no i don't i i went to an abstinence conference and i'll tell you about it later i'm dying
0: um but anyway silver ring thing here's their mission according to their website silver ring thing is a radical response wait
1: stop i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt you they actually called it silver ring thing yes that's the name of the organization. because they're cool ally just like the youths no No. they're funky fresh oh keep going
0: i hate it (laughs) silver ring thing is a radical response to culture's view of love and relationship Our events inspire teens to defy the meet-up, hook-up, break-up culture of today and discover true life found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This goes way beyond purity to embrace our identity and pursue a lifestyle that brings honor and glory to God. So do those if you want, but like...
1: Yeah, I mean, I chill if to. you're into
0: that. Um, a big part of silver ring things appeal is that if you go to one of their often mandatory in your school events, you might just leave with a souvenir, a silver ring engraved with the words 1 Thess 434, which is a Bible passage. It's 1 Thessalonians 434. Um, and it goes... It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So you're wearing that on your finger. And for silver ring thing, that's like a symbol of an internal commitment to God to pursue purity and truth in all areas of life, but specifically your pussy.
1: Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) But like, I loved free shit when I was a kid, Did you take a purity ring? talk about it later. Ah,
0: Allie! So Silver Ring Thing is not the only organization to be doing this. A lot of these are, and soon it becomes a very peer pressurey, trendy thing to wear these rings. I mean, like, imagine you sit through this talk about abstinence, and then all your friends and all the popular kids at school start wearing this ring. Of course you are also going to wear this ring. Why would you open yourself up
1: to bullying by not wearing it? Yeah. Like, I think it's also just, like, groupthink. Like, if you're all in a room together, and, like, I don't know, like, somebody starts, like, vibing with it. Everyone's like, yeah, no, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, just, you're so pliable at that age. Oh, my God. Incredibly so.
0: So, here's the part of the story where the mouse gets involved. Disney's previous generation of stars, think Timberlake, think Spears, think Aguilera. Pretty sexy. I know. They have moved away from the mouse and onto sexy, sexy singing careers. This is annoying to Disney for a couple reasons. Number one. Disney hadn't really been in the music scene, and by not being in the music scene, they had lost money on all these kids who wanted to pursue that. Right. And B, now that these kids are sexy adults, they are no longer brand-friendly. So Disney can't even be like, Timberlake's ours, because Timberlake's, like, grinding on people and having sex with Britney. (laughs) Having sex with Britney Spears. Exactly. So Disney fixes one of these problems by totally overhauling their music department and signing on all their Disney stars for contracts that include acting and recording. And the first person they do this with is Hilary Duff, her Metamorphosis album, which was just like... Oh, I fucking love Metamorphosis. A seminal hit. A generationally important album. An anthem of womanhood for our generation. So, Disney has fixed the problems of not being able to make money on their singing tweens. But they haven't fixed the problem about their sassy tweens growing into sexy teens. And how are they going to keep them brand friendly? Well, the Purity Ring trend totally does what Disney needs, which is to keep their teens family-friendly. Popping one of those babies on a Jonas is immediate shorthand for, I'm a good teen. I don't do bad stuff. Your daughter can fantasize about me all she wants because she'll be fantasizing about holding hands. That's so true. And it's just like right there. It's the perfect new marketing tool for what Disney is creating. It's fun. It sounds like pop, but it's not. I'm a slave for you. Do you remember Radio Disney? Yes, I do. I fucking loved Radio Disney. I did too. And it was like everything on there was really catchy, but none of it had any innuendo or was too sexy. Like that was the vibe that Disney was creating, and it was this hole in the market that they were filling. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Filling a hole. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, in addition to the aforementioned Joe Bros. Stars like Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Miley Cyrus, Jordan Sparks, Jessica Simpson, and Julianne Huff are all wearing purity rings. Demi Lovato wore one? Yeah. Wow. I think she, I think she wore one, but she definitely wore a necklace that said, love weights.
1: Whoa. So that,
0: like, identified her with this purity movement. Okay. Um, and not only are they all wearing them, but they are all making statements about them, which is even better. So the Joe Bros say... We all wear purity rings as promises to ourselves and to God that we will stay pure till marriage. Miley says, I like to think of myself as the girl that no one can get, that no one can keep in their hand. Even at my age, a lot of girls are starting to fall. And I think if abstaining is a commitment girls want to make, that's great. And then um, at the VMAs, Russell Brand makes fun of the Jonas Brothers for their purity rings. And Jordan Sparks performs. And she says, I have one thing to say about promise rings. Not everybody, guy or girl, wants to be a slut.
1: I hate that. I know. Jordan, I hope Jordan has since learned. And I don't like Russell Brand either. No. (laughs) I'll never forgive him for what he did to Katy Perry. (laughs) But I don't like that.
0: No, it's an icky attitude. And it does, like, purity rings create this weird dichotomy of, like, either you're wearing them and you're an angel virgin, or you don't wear one and you're a whore slut bag. Yeah. There's no in-between when it comes to purity rings which is icky
1: attitudes. Yeah, horrible.
0: Of course, the problem with getting all your teen stars to wear purity rings and to talk about them is that it becomes big news when they remove their purity rings a few years later. Obviously. Uh, And of course, that is what happens. So, like, Selena Gomez takes off hers when she starts dating Justin Bieber. Joe Jonas takes his off when he starts dating Ashley Green. Only sweet Kevin Jonas seems to have actually abstained until marriage. And he has gone on the record to say, quote... To be honest about it, sex was not worth the wait. After we did it, I was kind of like, that's it? Oh, no. (laughs) He has, like, multiple kids now, and you know he's such a bad lay.
1: Kevin. Danielle. Or Danielle, really. Kevin's wife, Danielle. And then... First, we were just... I think I was just talking about this... Who's the one dating Priyanka Chopra? Nick. Yeah, Nick Jonas gets to, like, go to just slam town (laughs) and the most beautiful woman in the world, Priyanka Chopra... And, like, even the other one is dating the- Sansa Stark. Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. They're living. Kevin is in a loveless
0: prison. <laughs> in a sexless Jersey prison oh, with God. this sweet woman. Danielle.
1: Poor Danielle.
0: Uh, thankfully, as these stars are growing up and taking off their purity rings, Georgie Porge is moving out of the White House, and in comes my white knight, President Barack Obama. The sexiest man alive. <laughs> He finally pays attention to all of the studies showing that abstinence-only education does not work. Teenagers taking virginity pledges were just as likely to contract STIs as teenagers who didn't, and abstinence-centric education, according to a 2007 study authorized by Congress, was not keeping teenagers from having sex, despite the fact that the government was spending millions of dollars on the programs. Oh my god, what a shock. So Obama cuts funding to all sex ed programs that don't have a good success rate, which ends all abstinence-only education programs. Yeah. So, like, it's, like, I'm so glad this trend is done, but, like, it honestly icks me out that we were ever obsessed with Miley Cyrus's virginity. Ever. And we still, like, we should be teaching our kids about condoms and affirmative consent and trust and all the stuff that really matters when you have sex and not just telling them, like, put this ring on your finger and then, like, close your legs until you get married just
1: do it yeah. but don't do
0: it like
1: i just like i get so angry because it's so manipulative over these kids who don't know shit like they know. don't know and like this is the thing is that they do know things and then there's things that they don't know like your average kid you know like young kid is not gonna know about consent and they have to yeah it's you know so what i mean, important. like. The most kids will know, like, you know, don't do something that another person doesn't want to do, but consent is complicated in a lot of ways. And in, in a lot of ways, it's really simple, but you need good, safe conversation spaces for all of that stuff. Yes. You know? Like, I would want my sex ed class to be like, you know what? Like, after you have sex, like, your partner should go get you a glass of water or something. You yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Absolutely. They should make sure that you feel safe and comfortable all the time. Yeah. You know? It's not that complicated. Absolutely.
0: And also, I don't know if we have many listeners who aren't exactly like us, that is to say, like, young women in their early 20s, but if any of you are, like, parents and stuff, like, that's such an important conversation, is for you to be, like, hi, my child that is, you know, now in their tweens or teens. Like, sex is a thing that might happen, and, like, here's how a condom works. I love you no matter what. Like, just let me know
1: if you have any questions, you need any help. And, like, we're not parents. Like, we don't know what it's like to have those conversations. But we were children Mm -hmm. and we are people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think all people benefit from feeling safe in their sexuality, no matter what it is. And from getting needlessly mysterious stuff explained to them. Yeah. Honestly, it's not, that's such a good point, Sam. Like it is needlessly mysterious. Like it's all, everyone's, it's happening to everyone. It's happening. And if you don't want to have sex, that's fine too. Don't ever. If
0: you you don't want to. If you want to just hang out, knit, mm, or just like you go out to clubs and you get wasted and then you go home and you drink three glasses of water to avoid a hangover. You do it all again the next day.
1: Yeah. Do that. If you want to just go to second your whole life. Oh my God. S- fucking do it. Second's the best one. We've disagreed about that <laughs> before. <laughs> That's not the first time you've said that to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just up and our Like anytime I think about sex ed and like how irresponsible it can be. Not to get, like, up on my high horse, but, like, as an educator, like, having been in a classroom with kids and knowing how fragile a classroom can be mm-hmm. for a lot of kids, like, how difficult it is to be trying to navigate your life with other students and trying to figure yourself out, and sometimes your classroom is the only place, like, you feel safe. The idea of that not being a safe place is infuriating, yeah. and, like, not teaching abstinence only education is creating an unsafe space for yeah, kids. Yeah, 100%. Um, which is absolutely not to say that abstinence isn't a totally viable option. Yeah. Um, but you have to teach everything. You have to teach everything. Yeah. Otherwise, the, the the things on the fringe are naturally stigmatized. Yeah. And, you know, they're gonna happen. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, parents, but, like, your kids are gonna give each other hand jobs earlier than you want. Yeah. I'm sorry. Or maybe later than you think they're gonna, but they're still gonna give them.
0: Yeah. And or receive them.
1: I remember once I was in college and I told my mom that I hadn't lost my virginity yet. And she was, like, surprised. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually deeply serious right now. A,
0: poor Danielle Jonas. Just (laughs) pour one out for her. Kevin. Honey, we're here for you. (laughs) Poor Kevin. Poor Danielle. Um, but also just, I'm begging you to tweet me if you had to sit through one of these things. Please tell me about it.
1: Oh, I never told you about my thing. (laughs) Please tell me about it. Oh, yeah. So, I was raised Catholic. I went to CCD. If you don't know what that is, it's basically just, like, Bible study, oh, okay. whatever. One day, one day we were brought to the Catholic High School Auditorium. How do I paint this picture? We went to this, like, lecture thing. But it wasn't a lecture. It was, like, a pump up. It, he was, like, yeah. a hype man. Yes. And his name, I think, was... Okay, so the guy doing it was Jason Evert. Mm-hmm. And I looked him up recently, and he's, like, built an abstinence empire. And so his whole shtick was, like, he was, like, a young dude. He's, like, middle-aged now. And he talked a lot about, like, people who sort of reformed into abstinence. And I feel kind of mixed about it because, to be quite honest, I remember him talking a little bit more. I wish it was saucier for you all, to be Mm -hmm. honest. (laughs) Like, I remember him talking more about why abstinence is a good option than why not being abstinence is a bad option yeah that comes with its own set of problems obviously but plenty of people in that room wanted to be abstinent and i am glad that they were able to have a a sort of fun relatable way to access it but then i read like they they give us literature and that was like very cut and dry like Mm -hmm. don't bone yeah. We'll be so mad. Um, and also talked about, like, don't be gay and, like, yeah. all this stuff. Um, and I was like, nope. <laughs> and they gave us cards. It was, like, a credit card. It was, like, a plastic oh, credit card. Ugh. And it didn't say V-card on it, which, what an opportunity wasted. Um, but, yeah, you had to, like, sign it. I think I signed it just because everyone was signing it. yeah. And I didn't think about it. Yeah. Do you still have that card somewhere? No, but, like, it's signed, so somewhere, wherever it is.
0: How funny would it be if, like, you had that card and when you got married, you were, like, went to your husband you
1: were, like, honey, like, I do have something for you. And you gave it to him and he was, like, paid. There's, like, (laughs) shitty bent card from the early 2000s (laughs) with my, like, terrible cursive on it. Yeah. And you were, like, I want to go all the way. (laughs) And your new spouse was, like, I... I mean, if I was marrying someone who agreed to not have sex with me until we got married, he'd probably be on board with it. Yeah, fair enough. You know. But that's it. Yeah, (laughs) no. During this whole abstinence talk, my CCD teacher, who was like this waifish, glassy-eyed, middle-aged woman who looked like... 70 years older than she was, because yeah. she was wearing, like, basically, like, a little women cosplay. Mm-hmm. Like a denim, yes. full-length dress. full-length denim dress. She was eating cottage cheese out of Tupperware <laughs> and, like, nodding along to everything he was saying, and that is something that I cannot scrub for my brain. Mm-hmm. Like, that image did more f- to promote abstinence than anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I have not had a healthy sexual encounter since <laughs> that experience. That was really cool. I had no idea that George Bush and Disney had so much to do with my vagina. They really do. And they, and they did and they still do. Yeah. Now I'm
0: writing a fan fiction in my brain where instead of painting like pictures of people, George W. Bush is retired and
1: is painting like Georgia O'Keeffe-esque vaginas. To all the vaginas he wronged. <laughs> to all the vaginas he wronged. He's like- But it's basically it? what he did with the troops. Like he was painting pictures of troops and it's like, oh yeah, all the people he fucked over. <laughs> yeah. He should do that with our vaginas. Yeah. I'll send him a picture of mine. So will I. Let's do it. Twitter, people, don't let's do, that. do this. Guys. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's don't not start this hashtag campaign. I don't want to start
1: that. Instead, um, just hashtag me your horrifying uh, abstinence stories. Please, please tell us about just like your sex ed stories yes. or anything like that. We want to hear it all. Hell yeah. Um, and I just want to reiterate that we're fucking coming to PodCon. Guys. So buy a ticket. Come see us. It's going to be hang. so fun. It's going to be fun. I think that's it. It's that time. It's that time. Are you ready? Barely. Oh, I don't want to leave. Uh,
0: we'll see you guys soon. Oh, uh, stay horrified. Stay horrified.